Another week in the war room where we decide who won this week's Wednesday Night War between AEW, Dynamite, and NXT. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Welcome to the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. Ralph, I want to start with the women because honestly, I think the women stole the show last night. I think the NWA Women's Championship match was easily the best match of the night. I think also the fact that AEW is finally putting some stories behind the women's division. We have the Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, Pull Apart Brawl, Jade Cargill, and Brandy Rhodes, Hikaru Shida, and Anna Jay. Three storylines in the women's division. And then you got on NXT, a match of the year caliber with Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai, which seems like it's going to be a send-off for Rhea Ripley. Proper send-off to her. Amazing tag match with Ember Moon and Tony Storm against Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai as they start their story progression for War Games. What a night for the women, Ralph. And also, what a night for Io Shirai. I mean, she was one of the women who I felt like was should have been higher ranked uh, when it came down to the PWI list of professional uh, wrestling women uh, over the course of the year. And I think that she's going to be one of the people that actually ends up climbing much further to that number one spot so long as she continues to do what she's doing. Uh, she's certainly somebody that NXT can rely upon uh, as their champion. Rhea Ripley has consistently been good. That match last night, that main event was awesome. And as you said, uh, can certainly be up there as a contender for match of the year. That's how good it was. Um, I don't know what's going to end up happening with Rhea Ripley. Ultimately, it certainly seems like she probably is destined to be heading to the main roster. Um, If you actually pay attention, it kind of seems like when uh, Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley were having their moment, embracing each other after the match, it seems like Rhea Ripley... If you read her lips, it says, I'm going to miss you too. Almost kind of insinuating that that's it. That was her send off. She's going to go to the main roster and hopefully she finds the same success on the main roster as she has uh, while working in NXT because she's been great. Uh, AEW also finally putting a little extra emphasis on the women's division. Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa certainly went out there and had a good match. Very, very good match. Yes, Um, So can't take it. Can't take any credit away from them. And it also helped to progress some storylines, just as I kind of thought we are going to get Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa in some type of feud going forward. And they also helped establish some more feuds from this point as well. So um, across the board, like you said, really good stuff from both shows for the women's division. I love how they introduced the story with Baker and Thunder Rosa without having to, you know, obviously those that follow social media saw that there was a back and forth with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. But putting it on screen, like giving a reason why Thunder Rosa would be pissed. Britt Baker caught, uh, well, Britt Baker tried to cost her the match. Obviously, Thunder Rosa kicked out after the interference. But still, what a match with her and Deeb last night. And I love the pull-apart brawl. Like, we see it time and time again. But I thought last night's pull-apart brawl was very good and well-executed. Yeah, the only thing that I didn't necessarily like and I thought was a little overbooked was the fact that they got to that point where there was the pull-apart brawl. I, I wanted Britt Baker to come out, cost Thunder Rosa the match, and then Thunder Rosa to get pinned, and that that would have been the end of it. Um, to me, it felt like it was a little overbooked because it was kind of like, if, if Britt Baker cost Thunder Rosa that match, you could have accomplished a couple of things. One, you could have started their feud, which we already know that's the direction they were going. Um, and it probably would have meant a little bit more because you would have had her cost under Rose of the match ultimately and outright. Right. Um, the fact that she was pinned clean, I think, hurts her just a little bit. Um, it certainly helps elevate 
Serena Deeb a little bit as well. But at the same time, I, I think that they could have done without everything from the interference to the kickout, everything past that. I felt like they really didn't need to go to that extent. I get what you're saying, but honestly, I felt like after that kickout, the match kicked it to a whole other gear. It made it a lot better than it was. It was a good match, but I think it made it a great match after Thunder Rosa kicked out of the interference and what Serena D was doing. And they were doing so many reversals and counters. It was yeah. exciting wrestling to watch. So, but after Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai, we get like the last five minutes of NXT and they had their surprise. Mm-hmm. You have AEW Dynamite that has their surprise. So they both close out with some big surprises. The Undisputed Era comes back to beat down the Kings of NXT. And after the show, it's announced that that's going to be the War Games match for the men. It's Undisputed Era versus Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch. But I think the bigger surprise happened on AEW Dynamite, and that is with Will Hobbs joining Team Taz. I felt like Hobbs was going to be the defender of good and go against Team Taz as his first like big feud. And it turns out he swerved us all, I think, and joins Team Taz. Yeah, that, to me, this is a good move. I mean, I, I really like a lot of what they're doing with Team Taz. I feel like Taz is one of the more um, competent guys on the mic week in and week out. You can rely on him to go out there and get heat or really draw extra attention to himself and get his guys over. That's the main thing. I mean, Brian Cage really hasn't cut many promos at all. I mean, that maybe that's not his strong suit or maybe that's not something they're trying to do deliberately. But maybe. Taz has been really good on the mic. So for a guy like Will Hobbs, where obviously his size and maybe some of his athleticism and his power are going to be the thing that are going to get him over and, and probably get him some attention, especially when he works in the ring. Why not have a guy that can do the, the talking for him, have Taz go out there, have him be the mouthpiece, have him be the guy that's going to get him over right. um, just based on, you know, going out there and being able to brag about, you know, recruiting him and all of those types of things. So I, I, I think that's a really good move. I think that it's something that's going to work out well for them. And I really like that they're building this dynamic between, you know, Team Taz and more or less like uh, uh, Cody and Darby. And I, I'd assume they're going to add a couple more people to that. Who knows if it ends up being the Nightmare family or right. whoever. But Maybe um, perhaps uh, Darby ends up joining officially to the Nightmare family. I know he's kind of a loner in his own right, but... Joining the Nightmare family might give him a little bit extra boost. I know Cody already gave him the rub a la WrestleMania 6 at at full gear with the whole kneeling, handing the championship off. But it seems like this story is not over. And I think uh, Cody Rhodes being added to the mix is going to help this storyline because everyone, I think at this point, knows that Cody's one of the faces of AEW. He's one of the top ratings draws. And when you want to bring eyeballs to some of these unknowns, like a Brian cage, like a Ricky Starks, like a Darby Allen, Cody's definitely going to do that for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that this is a, a good move for a couple of them, you know, obviously Darby Allen aligning himself with, with Cody. Um, you know, if that's going to end up being a thing where I, I don't think it's going to lead to him joining the, the, the nightmare family altogether, but it would be interesting to see them, uh, work together because again, you talk about uh, about a guy like Darby Allen, where he's not necessarily known for his promo work. They do the video packages, which are very good, but Cody's great at talking. So having him go out there and be able to get him over 
on a weekly basis is only going to help his status. Having Taz talk for a guy like Will Hobbs is only going to help his status. So um, that's that's all good things, and I think that it's going to work out well for them. It really is. Now, someone else that used their star power to get someone unknown over last night were the Young Bucks and Top Flight. So the Young Bucks start off AEW Dynamite with Top Flight. On NXT, we have a rematch of the NXT North American Championship with Johnny Gargano against Leon Ruff. Damian Priest gets Leon Ruff disqualified, so Johnny Gargano cannot win back the North American Championship. This story progresses throughout the night where Ruff is, wants to prove he is not a joke. Johnny yeah. Gargano already called him a joke. Damian Priest accidentally hints that he thinks Leon Ruff is a joke. I thought it was a good storyline progressed through the night. The opening match for AEW Dynamite, I thought was a good match. I think, though, it was a typical Young Bucks match, so it's one of those take-it-or-leave-it things. You either love a Young Bucks match or you hate a Young Bucks match. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly potential there for top flight. I mean, they're both athletic. The key is they're they're both young. They're, they've got a long way to go before, um, you know, their, their careers are over, you would assume. So um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a long ride. It's going to be interesting to see how they develop and how they decide to work. I mean, if you're a fan of the Young Bucks, I'm sure this was something that was right up your alley. I saw a lot of people praising this match on, on uh, social media and, you know, maybe rightfully so. I think to me, much like you said, to me, this is exactly what I expected to get out of the match. Um, I, I figured it was going to be a lot of spots, a lot of flips, a lot of dives, and it was. And if that's your type of wrestling, that's fine, whatever. Um, but it was the match itself was exactly like I expected it to be. Right. Uh, so that was what it was, as far as as far as I'm concerned. Uh, NXT, I Leon Ruff. Going back a week ago, what I what, what I thought they should have done was because they kind of had this storyline going with um, Austin Theory, where he was losing all those consecutive matches. So I said to myself, "Well, why don't they put him in the position to beat Gargano? Because you know, it, having all those losses, it would be just as surprising, and it would kind of fit in with the storyline." Obviously, that didn't happen. I don't know what they're going to do with Leon Ruff. I don't see him being pushed as a legitimate guy that could ever go over like Damian Priest or really truly contend with Johnny Gargano. Um, True. I guess they see otherwise. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to go with the underdog story there. I, I think it, it but, could go one or two ways. I think it could go one or two ways. One is Leon Ruff overcomes all and beats both of them in some kind of triple threat match. Or they didn't want Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano again one-on-one yeah. -on -one. so they put leon ruff into the mix to be an easy fall guy in a triple threat match for either war games or another match on nxt and either that makes damian priest a two-time north american champion or johnny gargano a three-time north american champion without costing the other person a drop in stock yeah. that's where i think they're going with it so who knows but both shows had some comedy, Ralph. They did. They did. We had a reenactment of WrestleMania 7 with Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis in the blindfold match. We also had Who is that? Martell and Jake Roberts? That is right. That is right. Jake Roberts and Rick the Model Martell. And we also had a reenactment of the inner circle with the hangover. Now, there were some mm. interesting surprises. 
There was the appearance of Conan. So I wonder if mm-hmm. Disco Inferno knew about it before he showed up. Hornswoggle. And <laughs> I think that was the Honky Tonk Man. I could be wrong. Was the Honky Tonk Man in the inner circle? Or, or was it Elvis? It was Elvis. I know. It's a joke. Bad They're both one, out of shape. <laughs> Very true. But the Elvis that was actually in the inner circle package seemed to be in, in pretty decent shape, or at least, yeah. you know, in the early years of Elvis, not that the was, later years of yeah, Elvis. That, w- that was Elvis circa suspicious minds and not so much the tail end of his career, maybe. Right, right. But honestly, I felt like NXT did the comedy a lot better than AEW Dynamite this week. Like, don't get me wrong. I love a lot of comedy. I'll watch anything comedy, any time of the day, any time of the year. Uh, comedy is like my go-to genre of entertainment. Cameron Grimes, for the first five minutes of that match, was hilarious. I don't care mm-hmm. what you say. It was hilarious. The inner circle stuff, to me, and I know a lot of people loved it on social media, but to me, it was cringeworthy. I'm sorry. It was. It was to me. It was cringeworthy. I kept rolling my eyes at every other like stupid reference to the hangover. It was it was a bad attempt at it, honestly. I'm sorry. So here here here's my take on this. I don't mind comedy and professional wrestling. No. I don't I- mind what I saw in NXT because of the people that were involved in it. I think that Cameron Grimes uh in his role and what he's expected to do and kind of looking at where his ceiling potentially could be Right now, based on who he is and how he's presented each week, what he did last night fits who he is as a character, as a person, and as he's been presented. Yes. You have to consider this. While what I watched last night on AEW, while I thought it was good, because, you know, unlike you, I, I actually thought it was well put together. I thought it was funny. I thought it was entertaining. But I think it's misplaced based on who's doing it and who's in those roles. And here's why I say this. You've got MJF where going back before this feud with Chris Jericho, many, many people considered him to be one of the top heels in all professional wrestling. Now, I'm not saying that really hurts his status all that much, but it certainly doesn't do anything for him going out and doing these comedic uh, skits. I'll call them skits on a weekly basis. And that's the problem. These things are happening on a weekly basis. And what is it really doing for either of them? Right. Uh, Chris Jericho, again, ever since his feud with Orange Cassidy, it's just been skit after skit after skit, funny moment after funny moment. The steak dinner dabonier. I mean, how many times in a row weekly are they going to try to do stuff like this? And what is it accomplishing? It's to me, it fits a very niche part of their fan base where, you know, the people that are going to like this are going to eat it up and love it. But I just right. don't see what this does for Chris Jericho at this point as a guy who was the former champion who where if he's pushed as a legitimate top heel and puts MJF over, doesn't that do more for him than going out there and doing these weekly uh, skits? Again, it, it to me, it was good. I liked it. I thought it was funny. But if I want to watch comedy like yesterday, I watched I watched Kevin Hart in, in a in a in a recent comedy thing that he put together. I watched that. I don't have a problem with comedy and professional wrestling. I do have a problem with MJF and Chris Jericho going out there on a weekly basis and essentially making fools of themselves. I just don't see what this does for either of them. I don't but, get it. And, and this Ralph, is the thing. Like I, I under, Ralph, go ahead. You yeah. don't understand. 
You and that's the thing. You don't understand, Ralph. I know. Eventually, this story's going to turn more serious. And that's of course what, it is. This is why I roll my eyes because when? When's this going to get more serious? I, I say the same thing about Orange Cassidy because this is the thing, this is the thing with AEW. I feel like sometimes people operate within an, in the bubble. Like, you, okay, it's like, it's like the He-Man Woman Hater Club. Like, you're either in the club and you get it, or you're an outsider. And if you're an outsider, we're not going to explain it to you. So, like, but the problem is this. It's the entertainment business. Like, your, your job is to attract the casual fans or attract the people that aren't going to watch on a weekly basis. If you're trying to capture the lapsed fan and they see this and they say, like, well, that's Chris Jericho, that's what he's doing now, you, even if you split the difference and say half the fans are going to be into it and the other half are not going to be into it, you're still alienating quite a few fans. And you still have a lot of fans that you've alienated already who felt like they were wronged when you said you were going to present a sports-based professional wrestling company. And, and you know what? Spare me the weekly, here comes the Calvary with the, all the excuses under the sun for Orange Cassidy, for Chris Jericho, for all these segments, whether it's, oh, it's a slow burn, or it's uh, you just don't understand, or you're out of touch, or Jim Cornette Jr. I, it's been months now. They've done nothing with Orange Cassidy. They've done nothing with Miro. These segments have gone on now for a month and a half. It, nothing has come of it. It hasn't changed the status of Chris Jericho or MJF for the better at all. So again, I've asked this a couple of weeks ago. I'll ask it again. What exactly am I missing? Like, what can somebody tell me uh, the missing link? Is there like a fountain of youth I have to drink out of some magic potion that will magically make me fully understand what I what I can't see, what other people can't see? Can, are, are, are we allowed to criticize AEW yet? Or are we going to get a bunch of people freaking out? And newsflash, it's not an AEW safe space here. I'll, I'll criticize Chris Jericho, criti criticize Orange Cassidy. I don't care. I've done it before. Right. I, I think I don't get it. I think part of it is the story's not fully told yet. And we've said this time and time again with other things that we have reactions to. Let the story develop. And perhaps we have to let this story develop. Now, next week, Hager and Jericho are having a tag match against SCU. So let's see if this turns into a more serious thing because this is something we talked about when they first started this whole tag team run was they should have gone after SCU first. You ever see the Terminator movies? Of course. I tell people all the time that our society is going to turn into the first Terminator movie. Okay. Let's pretend you're a casual fan or you've never seen the Terminator. Now, I'm a big Terminator fan. You've probably seen the movies. Yep. Would you agree with my assessment that Terminator 1 and 2 are the best ones? Yes. 2 is definitely okay. the best one. Okay. But we can agree that the first two are the better ones. Yes. If I were to go with the most recent Terminator or one of the ones that was most recently made and show it to a non-Terminator fan, do you think that they'd tune in for any other Terminators knowing that that might be the caliber or the standard that they're working towards? Uh, I'll admit I have not seen all the Terminators. I stopped after if Rise something of the sucks, if after something the Rise sucks, of right. if something sucks, do you want to tune in? Do you want to spend any more, any more of your time and effort in watching and participating in something? No. So if we are now in the entertainment or wrestling business, I know entertainment's a dirty word. If we are now in the professional wrestling business and your job is to hook people. So they want to see things on a weekly basis. 
saying week after week after week after week after week that, oh, it's a slow burn. Just wait. Eventually it'll get good. What good does that do if it sucks? Yeah. And it doesn't suck. But by professional wrestling standards to some fans, please make sure that people understand this. I'm not saying it sucks to some professional wrestling fans. They will look at that and they will say it sucks. And they will say that is WWE sports entertainment and they will not watch. And that is not good for AEW. Doesn't matter if you get the payoff or something in five weeks from now that all of a sudden is great because they're not watching. They're done. They checked out. They saw Hangover Part 4 last night and they're done. They're gone. They're watching Ring of Honor. They're watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. They're watching MLW. There's something that's more serious that they're interested in. Correct. And there's a room for comedy and professional wrestling. I'm just saying, I don't know if Chris Jericho and MJF should be the ones that are doing it. Well, I mean, maybe, to this extent, on a weekly extent, basis, to this extent, I will say the only counter argument is Angle and Austin were the two biggest names in WWE in 2001, and they were doing comedy skits on a weekly basis, and it was gold. Yep. So if done right, it doesn't matter who the person is, who the talent is, what part on the card it, it is. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And personally to me, it's just not working because yeah. Jericho now, I think, is at a point in his career where he's just too, he, he just doesn't care. He just wants to have fun. And that granted to him, he's been in the business for 30 years. If he wants to have fun, let him have fun. But at the same time, does this hurt who he's being around? Does this hurt Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara and MJF and Orange Cassidy? Or does it help them? And yeah. I think we need to let it develop and see maybe the ratings will go up in their segments and we're not seeing that. Uh, and eventually, this will be something that people look back on in years to come in AEW history. Well, there, there, are, there are elements of this whole thing that are very good. I love the dynamic between Sammy Guevara and MJF. I like that they're teasing Wardlow and uh, Hager. I, I, I don't mind that. There's certain elements that I really like about this. It's just the fact that this has gone on now for so long on a weekly basis that, you know, I just, I, for the casual fan or for fans that are already checked out, I don't think they're coming back. They're not they coming back not. for this. They might not. Now, you talk about slow burn and fans talking about, oh, it's a slow burn. You got to let it develop. You got to let it develop. I think one of those cases outside of Jericho and MJF is Kenny Omega. And I want to talk about the contract signing because it was the non-existent. Lack the yeah, lack exactly. thereof. It was yeah. non-existent. Now, Moxley cuts a, a very good promo at the beginning of the show where he nonchalantly uh announces that Renee Young is pregnant. So congratulations to Moxley and Renee Young, but nothing from Omega. He comes out. Oh, he's got aviators on. Everyone gets excited because he's got the aviators on, but this was the moment. This was the moment to get some of those doubters on his side by cutting a damn ass good promo. And what does he do? I got nothing to say. Moxley's not here. You could barely hear him talk. He can't get the pen to work to sign the contract. Yeah, yep. It was such a flatline segment that could have been so much more. And it was like, this was your chance to bring the cleaner out and you did nothing. And this was the interesting thing. I think was this, this was the first time they actually introduced him as the cleaner. Am I right on that? 
They actually introduced notice. him as Kenny, the, the clean. So Shivani introduced him as, unless this was an accident, the cleaner Kenny Omega. And my God, what a way to back into just debuting him or re-debuting him or repackaging him as the cleaner if that's the way they're going to roll it out. Just having Tony Shivani nonchalantly saying, the cleaner, Kenny Omega. I was just like, really? That's the way they're going to roll this out? But I agree with you. I thought this fell flat really flat. I, I felt like Omega felt super uncomfortable in there in the ring. Like you said, he couldn't get the pen to work. Uh, there was that awkward moment where like him and Shivani were exchanging words after. I don't know, man. I I keep hoping that we're going to get the guy that we saw in Japan. It's and not coming. Here, here's the big problem. Here's the big problem. And, and this is just, this is not an AEW thing. This is not a Kenny Omega thing. I think this is just pro wrestling as a whole here in the United States. You have all these fans that say, why doesn't this guy get a push? Why isn't this guy champion and all that other stuff? And it comes down to this. Kenny Omega, yes, he was huge in Japan. Main evented Wrestle Kingdom, won titles, pushed to the moon there. Guys like Shinsuke Nakamura is another one. You have a guy like Cesaro who did well in the indies. All these people are ricochets another one. How come these guys don't get pushed? It's a different audience. The indie audience. It's a much different audience. And just like there are guys that do well in college football that don't make it into the pros, that do well in the minor leagues, that don't make it in the MLB, it's just sometimes they can't make that transition to the big stage. And when you're on national television, you kind of have to tweak some things. You You have to adjust. And some guys just don't. And... This to me was an opportunity for Kenny Omega to make that adjustment to make it to the big stage. And he didn't. It yeah, was a this was, opportunity. Yeah. This, this was handed to him on a silver platter to really just go off. I mean, he, he was on the right track. He said some of the right things about the elbow and about, you know, now this, but he just really never dug in. I mean, he really never dug in and came across as that super egotistical over the top heel. I feel like now he's trying to portray like a video game boss character. Like he just does not come across as believable or comfortable in this role. And I don't Mm -hmm. know why that is because he was so good in Japan and it's just, to me, it's just not working yet. Right. And the difference here is in new Japan or excuse me, in WWE, everyone is quick to go, Oh, it's Vince's fault. He doesn't know how to book them in AEW. They get a little bit more creative freedom. So how much yeah. is it really on Tony Khan? A lot of it is just, hey, it's your time to talk. Talk. Now, right. one of Kenny Omega's big opponents last year and in the last year of AEW Dynamite was Pac. He returned in ring against the Blade. I thought it was a very good match. We yes. get the story progression of the Death Triangle reforming. And you have this now three-on-three story, which I think we all kind of saw coming the death triangle with Eddie Kingston, the butcher and the blade. It was bound to happen. But would you think of Pax and ring return? I, I saw no ring rust whatsoever personally. Oh, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect it from him. He's, he's, I mean, you could tell he's obviously in shape. Um, I, I, I thought the match was fine for what it was. I, I love the story that they're going into, you know, sometimes predictability isn't necessarily a bad thing. That's the case here because look, we're going to get Pac and the death triangle versus Eddie Kingston and his group there. 
Yeah. So I have no problem with that. I'm all in for that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah. So before we decide which show is better this week, we do have to go about the ratings and I'm, I'm honestly surprised at how these ratings turned out, Ralph. AEW Dynamite, they went from a .30 to a .37 in the 18-49 demographic. Not really a surprise. Sometimes they get these kind of bumps. They went almost 100,000 more total viewers this week with 850,000 total viewers. The surprise is they nearly tripled NXT in the 18-49 to demographic. NXT got a .14 and the 18 to 48 demographic did not hit the top 50. Usually when they don't hit the top 50, it's because something big is happening. And I know the NBA draft was happening, but this is, that should not have killed their ratings that much. Uh, And their total viewership was 638,000 total viewers. But didn't you know Housewives of Potomac was on last night at the same time slot? I don't know. Like, that's the thing. I'm joking. I know, but like AEW, we all know they're going to win the 18 to 49 rating at this point. Yeah. Like that's no surprise. There are times where they nearly double right. NXT, but to nearly triple them on a show that NXT had a, a very, very good show. And that's, you know, obviously part of the reason why ratings are up or down is because one, it's, what happened the week before? Was it anything to remember? And NXT, honestly, outside of Johnny Gargano dropping the title, Leon Ruff, I honestly can't remember much. Um, there was the the tag team title match last week, but still nothing yeah. to remember. Hyping up Rio and EO, I guess, did not do enough to help with their viewership. But let me tell you, when people talk about that Rhea-EO match, I bet you there's going to be a lot of people that watch on either YouTube or the DVR that. NXT probably does not care how bad they got beat in the ratings. It was well, a bad hit, but on the yeah, other and, hand, and you know, I, I know a lot of times us other people are so critical of WWE. I, I do want to give credit where credit's due because when you think about the past three events, you talk about SmackDown, you had Jey Uso, Drew McIntyre, the interaction between uh, Roman and Drew. Then you had the main event with the title change between Drew and Randy Orton, and then NXT. We just had. Uh, Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley. Those are three solid main events and three uh, interesting storylines that all happened. So, you know, for once, let's give WWE a little bit of credit. It was all very good. So I'll just say that. Yeah, it, it was. And you bring up the title change, and believe it or not, in the male 18 to 34 demographic, AEW beat Monday Night Raw third hour. So that- I'm not really all that surprised by that, to be honest. But. Mm-hmm. Yes and no, but because one, you got the competition of NXT and two, you know, Raw just does really well on Mondays compared to the rest of cable that you would think their male 18 to 34 would be good compared to others. And the fact that AEW was able to beat them, that's a little surprising. I, I think, especially when it's a go home show and you're pushing a WWE championship match, that's... That's surprising, I think. But nonetheless, all ratings aside, all segments aside, who do you think won this week's Wednesday Night War? Uh, Collectively, I felt like AEW was the better show because they had some standout moments. I think that the women's match was very good. I liked the Will Hobbs turn. I liked liked 
some of the other segments that happened throughout the night. I think that storyline progression-wise, it was good. So I think AEW overall had the better show. I think NXT had the best match of the night, though, with EO and Rhea. See, I'm, for once, I think people are going to be surprised with this in the comment section, but I think this is the first time in a long time where I felt NXT hands down was the better show. Not just like, oh, they, the both shows were good, but NXT got the slight edge. No, I thought NXT was the hands down better show this week. I felt like the first hour of AEW Dynamite was very polarizing. They gave mm. you everybody that's like, take them or leave them. We know you might either love them or hate them. The Bucks, Orange Cassidy, yeah. Kenny Omega. That, that was all in the first hour. And some of it was good. Some of it was a miss. Uh, I think the second hour, you had the women's match that was good. The tag match and the, the turn with Hobbs was very good. But I felt like NXT, for some weird reason, this had so much in it and so much progression in it. Like they put an effort in to make this such a damn good show that while this week their ratings were a big hit, I would yeah. not be surprised if they get a, a boost, at least somewhat of a boost next week where they're not this 0.14, but maybe closer to like a 0.18 or even making a 0.2 yeah. after all the I, I talk. Think- I think everything from the EO and Rhea, the main event to the end of NXT was the best part of anything last night. But I just felt like collectively AEW had a couple more things that were just a slight edge better. So see, that's Ralph, just my opinion. So see guys, Ralph is not the heel all the time. Well, <laughs> I'm going to get, a, I'm going to catch a lot of heat for my comments on Chris Jericho. I'm sure in that segment, some people might agree with me. They might. And then they'll fast forward to the end to see who we think win. And they see that I pick NXT and they're like, oh my God, Michael, how can you pick NXT? There's it's WWE garbage, but you know, that's, that's why we have a comment section. So you guys can let us know which show is better, AEW, Dynamite, or NXT. You could debate with Ralph or me. We always answer. And you can watch our previous reviews by clicking the thumbnail on the screen right now. We'll talk to you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble. Babble.